0: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am one of your hosts for today's show, Aaron Richards, and I am joined here by my co-host, my friend, my brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Aaron. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's been a while, I think, since you and I have sat across the desk from one another. So. It is time to have some fun. Looking forward to it. If you're driving, buckle up. It's going to get wild. You should have been buckled already.
1: <laughs> okay, if you're not driving, go out to your car and buckle up.
0: Friends, we are, uh, we're joining you, you're joining us here, uh, I don't know who's joining whom, but we are recording here at the beautiful, illustrious Damascus Media Studio. Beyond Damascus, as you know, is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network and... Uh, pumped to be here today. Dan, you want to kick us off in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. You are risen, Lord. We thank, thank you, you so Jesus. much for your incredible gift of self, the gift of your life on the cross, and the gift of your joy in the resurrection. We pray, Lord, that we would share not only in your sufferings, but also in your triumph, we pray that we would share not only in the death to ourselves, but that we would become alive in you, Christ Jesus. We pray that you would bless our minds and our hearts during this show to experience you resurrected
0: and your mother more fully. Amen. Jesus, we want to receive you into our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, friends, thank you for joining us today. You know, as you've probably become accustomed as you listen to this show— the, the the thoughts that I have on a daily basis, the thoughts that Dan has, we are, I mean, we're truly driven by what happens here at Damascus every day. So this is, this show is basically just a glimpse into the life here on campus. Super and, uh, exciting. <laughs> this week in particular, we have had a, a missionary retreat for our, for our own staff. And um, we've been spending a lot of time thinking and dreaming and speaking and uh, praying about The unique relationship of Mary, the mother of God uh, with us, right? Um, I don't know about you, Dan, but I've kind of, I've gone through a number of different seasons in my life in regard to, uh, how I have approached, how I've viewed, how I've valued my own personal relationship with Our Lady. And, uh, it was really cool to gather our mission staff and to have each one of our kind of team members present on a different theme around the life of Mary. Um, and excited to go there today. How what, What's your experience been like? Yeah, I just love that, you know, I think sometimes we
1: spend a lot of time as Catholics reflecting on certain aspects of Mary's life, yeah. and maybe sometimes we forget about other aspects of Mary's life. Like, I, I you know, when I think of Marian conversations, a lot of times it's around the major pillars of Mary's life, like the incarnation, right, Uh, or the annunciation, those those moments when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, or those moments of uh, at the presentation of the temple, the wedding feast of Cana, we talk a lot about Mary at the foot of the cross. And one of the things we often forget to talk about is Mary's experience of the resurrection. <laughs> like, That's if awesome. you think about the life of Jesus, you've got these four incredible moments. There's the incarnation. The in, there's the, the cross. The Immaculate conception. Yeah, there's the there's the there's well Even for, for Jesus. Yeah, you've got the you've got the incarnation, you have the cross, you have the resurrection, and you have Pentecost and and so like let's just you know sometimes Mary's forgotten about during the resurrection time yeah so I think I'd love to just dive into data talk about what's Mary's role or what was Mary's experience of the resurrected
0: Jesus right? that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome I I so I I did uh I spoke on one of those generic Typical experience yeah, <laughs> we'd never
1: ever talk about those again. Which one did I you sp- speak I, s-
0: on? I spoke about Mary at the cross this week. Oh, and, nice um, and and one of the she was there, she was there. Wow, just one, great. Of the, one of the three, I think. <laughs> and one of the um beautiful reflections, I'm not sure which saint I stole this from, uh, in in researching my my teaching this week, was that uh, the suggestion was made that Jesus uh, that Jesus never took his eyes off his mother. I mean, certainly that's not a literal statement of course, but that in in these key moments that it would be, it's always, it could be for us a beautiful theological reflection in, in every one of these moments to ask as Jesus looked upon his mother, um, what, what was his, what was his experience, Mm. right? Uh, Cana, certainly his eyes were focused on her, like, right. She, she guided that story Um at, even at the cross, you could say that his eyes, like his eyes were locked on her Um for whatever reason. And there's good reason, right. That, that he had her at the, at kind of the center of his, the center of his mind during that time. Um At least in his, in his last words to John. And uh yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to apply awesome. that, to apply that perspective to this idea exactly. of resurrection. Like what was, Not only what was Mary's experience, but what was Jesus thinking about his mom? Yeah, that's actually absolutely what we're going to tackle is, did Jesus
1: appear to Mary? And what was that, like, what was that visit like. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny because when I quote saints, I remember who I quote. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But St. Augustine, he said that Mary was the only believing member of the church during the triduum, which is, if you think about it, that from the moment of Good Friday to Easter Sunday, Mary was the only one who held firm to the faith in the resurrection of Jesus during those three days, which is like just a, a wild testimony that the church remained faithful on holy saturday (laughs) the church because of mary (laughs) (laughs) i love that right that is Um, awesome but when we talk about mary and the resurrection it's kind of perplexing and confusing because you get this realization pretty quickly if you read the gospel narratives of the resurrection that someone is missing from every gospel narrative of the resurrection and who is it Mary. Mary. (laughs) She's just not there. So, like, I I thought it would be fun to just start with some of the, the Gospels so we know what's going down, right? In John 20, we see the resurrection and it says, early on the first day of the week, while it had still been dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put them. And John kind kind of goes through all of these different um uh, times where people see the risen lord right that you've got the testimony of first the tomb's empty Mary runs to Peter and John then John and Peter they run to the tomb they see that it's empty and then they run away they leave and Mary is there she still continues to weep Mary magdalene that is she's weeping and then Jesus appears to Mary magdalene she sees the risen lord at first she doesn't recognize him but then she grows to to see him when he says her name right I just love that and then jesus Jesus appears to the disciples, then he goes and he he leaves, and then he appears again to the disciples because of uh, Thomas wasn't there, so he appears to Thomas and, and the others. And so you see that in John, and, and in Luke 24, all the people who, the women who are at the cross, they're mentioned in Luke 24, and Jesus appears to them, right? He says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women... And Luke 24, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside mm-hmm. them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. But in all of this, Mary, the mother of God, was not present. Kind of perplexing. I,
0: I don't know what to say to
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, it's, uh, you know, you even have in an, an, an Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Um, and however, you see in the tradition of the church, a lot of theologians, church fathers um, have have said that, no, Jesus first appeared to Mary, the mother of God, and you could You could understand that Mark's definition of first was actually the first in the series of those those um, resurrected testimonies that he was sharing, but that the very first time that Jesus rose and appeared to someone was to um, Our Lady. So we're going to kind of go into that. Like if there's not a biblical narrative of it, but what has the church said over the years about Mary?
0: and the resurrected lord that's awesome yeah i'm i'm excited for this i will i i'm not a scholar here so.
1: uh, you know <laughs> i'll be honest i was not either um and it's super exciting when i started to dive into this uh to prepare uh for this retreat it was so interesting to see one thing that totally shook me and woke me yeah. up was that um was simply the question what uh, how confident was Mary that Jesus would rise from the dead and on the third day how how what was her mm. level of faith they all all of her his followers believed in the resurrection of the body right they M- Martha and Mary uh Uh, believed in the resurrection of the body when Jesus asked uh, about Lazarus rising from the dead. And there was this understanding of the resurrection of the dead in that time, but it was something that was going to happen in the future. But it seems like Mary had a unique insight to Jesus's life. And the insight that I discovered in just studying this was the the finding of the Christ child in the temple was a time where... Jesus was teaching and preparing his mother for what was to come in the resurrection. Mm. Um, which that's awesome. Isn't yeah. it neat? So, like, what happens in that story of the finding of the Christ child in the temple? It's kind of a weird story, first of all. Like, it makes no sense as to why you have the hidden life of Jesus for thirty years. You've got his infancy, and then you have his public ministry at age thirty. But then randomly you have this story from when he was a twelve year old kid. And yeah. I think the the uh the the reason for that was Luke, the author, you know, the evangelist, Luke, was writing his gospel from Mary's perspective a lot of times mm-hmm. where you you notice that Luke has insights that the other gospels don't have yeah, he has he always has the most in depth Perspective of Yeah, of our of It's our like, lady. wait a second, the Annunciation is like detailed in the Gospel of Luke. The- you were there for the <laughs> Magnificat? <laughs> yeah, the presentation, the visitation, all of these accounts that aren't really detailed are super detailed. And, uh, and Luke kind of throws out his cards in the first chapter of Luke. He says that um, he wanted to, he says, just as they were handed down to us by those who fr- or first were eyewitnesses, um, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. So he's he wrote his gospel w- from the testimony of eyewitnesses, and he says, um, carefully investigate everything from the beginning. So Luke was not like, hey, I want to know about the three years of public ministry. He's like, I want to know everything about Jesus's life. And where do you find that from? From Mama. Mama Mary. And so you have insights. And so there's this random 12-year-old story of Jesus in the finding of the temple. And there had to have been a reason Luke thought it was significant. And the reason Luke thought it was significant was because Mary Mm. thought it was so significant, right? That's awesome. That Mary—so what happens in the finding of the temple— well, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they go to Jerusalem for Passover, right? And then when when they get there for Passover, they leave, and Jesus goes missing for, yeah, for three, three days. days, right? And then when he's found, what's he found doing? His father's work. Yeah, preaching,
0: preaching, preaching his
1: father's word. Yeah, and so he's doing, and he's like, I'm, I'm doing my father's business, you know? Yep. <laughs> like, of course I'm here. And so he's gone for three days, he's lost for three days, but then at the end, Mary is reunited with her son, and so... Um, you know, some theologians say that this was a prefigurement of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that Mary, after Passover, would lose Jesus for three days and then would find him again, would be reunited, that Jesus almost taught Mary at the finding of the temple what was going to happen later. And and it says in, in Luke's gospel, what does she do after this experience? She starts to ponder in her heart, right? Yeah. So you ponder things in your heart when things when things when things hit you deeply. Yeah. They start <laughs> becoming clear. And Mary and then Mary huh. hears about Jesus predict his passion. You know, others when they're like, Ah, that temple will not be like torn down and three days later it'll be built again. Others were like, dude, Jesus, you are a lunatic. Like you are a crazy man. Mary's like, Oh, the temple. Three days.
0: That temple.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> she starts to understand. And so um, so then we get to this moment, right, where Mary is, uh, is, is, is leading up to the resurrection. And so why doesn't Luke include Mary in the resurrection story? Well, John Paul II, oh, geez, smart guy. He had something to say about that. Um, you want
0: to share what he said, Aaron? Yeah, so this is from JP2. The, the, the Gospels mention various appearances of the risen Christ, but not a meeting between Jesus and his mother. This silence must not lead to the conclusion that after the resurrection, Christ did not appear to Mary. Rather, it invites us to seek the reason why the evangelists made such a choice. Indeed, it is legitimate to think that the mother was probably the first person to whom the risen Jesus appeared, could not Mary's absence from the group of women who went to the tomb at dawn indicate that she already met him. That's
1: yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. is that nuts? So if you go back to Luke's gospel, what does it say? It says that the, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared
0: and went to the tomb. Why wasn't Mary with them? Because she knew he wasn't going to be there. She was already hanging out with him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mary was... Uh, a faithful Jewish woman uh and and these oh, women as well so cool. and they were they were trying to do the cultural norms for Jesus's body right they weren't able to prepare Jesus's body for the resurrection of the body yeah. so because of sabbath and so they they were going back to finish anointing his body to prepare for the resurrection of the body and yet Mary's like you don't need to prepare him for the resurrection of the body he's already risen right and so Mary had an insight, if you will, or a knowledge or a supernatural faith that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, or perhaps she, she had already, she already had. seen him ah, rise from the dead, which is, is pretty doggone exciting, awesome. right? Thank you, John um, Paul
0: II. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, that makes sense. Uh, if, if you've got a group of people who are going to care for the body of our Lord— There's no one else who would be who would be present among them than than Our Lady. Exactly. Yeah, she wouldn't have missed that for the world, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, if you're first, yeah, if
0: you're preparing his body, you're going to do
1: it. uh, it would First, have been her job. Like, yeah. That would have
0: been the expectation that she would that she would participate in that process.
1: And they were probably a little confused, because you could assume—I mean, this is theological speculation—but you could assume that those who comforted Mary at the foot of the cross would have also comforted her back at her home on Good Friday in the evening and throughout Holy Saturday. Like, when someone passes, what do loved ones do? They gather in the home— uh, of that family member and they, they spend time with them, right? There's, there's gotta be some interesting insight as to why Our Lady didn't go. Um, Saint Ambrose in the fourth century, he said, Mary saw the resurrection of the Lord. She was the first to see and believe Mary Magdalene also saw, but she hesitated. You know, it's interesting because you see the angels almost giving an an understanding of those who mm. had supernatural faith in this moment and those yeah. who maybe had faith in the in the not yet. <laughs> so we, we, we as Catholics, we use the phrase already not yet a lot, yeah. um, the already not yet kingdom of God, already not yet resurrection, uh, already not yet this idea that the kingdom is already at hand and yet it hasn't been fully realized. And you almost have like Mary Magdalene who believes in the not yet the resurrection of the body will come but mary who believes in the already
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome why because because she'd met him before like she because this isn't the first time she's seen an angel right? yeah yeah <laughs> exact first time she's heard something completely irrational <laughs> happen it's like man last time i questioned you uh-huh. this time i'm just going with it and it's
1: it's the finding of the child in the temple yeah. like jesus goes to jerusalem for passover on holy thursday and then on Good Friday, he is taken away. Mary sees her son uh, be taken away from her, but she knows she'll be reunited on the third day because Jesus promised that. Oh, that's awesome. That's so
0: good. And, you know, that's uh, that's so cool, too, because oftentimes we, we, we read the stories in Scripture, you read a quote, and you, you completely miss the context, not just even the context of the immediately surrounding situation, but... What was the life experience that, that contributed to that mm. to that process? You know, I I still catch myself from time to time. I'll, I'll say something and I'll remember when I was when I was ten years old or twelve years old when my dad told me something and I'll hear his voice echoing in my mind. Yeah, I wonder when Jesus was sharing those those predictions about about his his passion and death and resurrection coming back from the tomb in three days. If he was if he was if he was remembering that story. Yeah. That experience of when he left for three days and when he, you know, he knew he was coming back. Yeah. He knew he was going to be reunited. And you just wonder what conversations did,
1: I mean, what conversations happened after the finding of the temple that aren't in scripture, right? Like, okay, did, like— Jesus didn't tell his parents where he was. What usually happens when your kid wanders off without telling you where they're going to be? <laughs> like, Smack! yeah, there's definitely a quote coming to Jesus meeting, right? But when you're Jesus, <laughs> it's usually, uh, Hey, let me explain what just happened here. And like what, what, what did Jesus and Mary and Joseph talk about after the finding? How did they process that situation? Yeah. How did Jesus prepare them for what
0: was to come? That's awesome super exciting uh, alright so much good stuff to talk about I want to keep going into that because I love that story about finding Jesus in the temple um, but I have to stop us because we need to take a break Let's do so it. Uh, friends thank you for joining us for Beyond Damascus this is the show where encounter meets mission um, Dan and I will be, we'll be right back with you after this short break come on back and join us in just a couple minutes time This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. Check out EWTN's official YouTube channel. Just follow the link on our homepage at EWTN.com or go to YouTube.com slash EWTN. Watch EWTN's
1: live shows or today's homily from the Daily Mass.
0: Click the upload button to see our most recent clips. You can also find all of EWTN YouTube content by clicking the playlist button. It's all on the official EWTN YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash EWTN. Visit today. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us today here at the Damascus Media Studio. I'm Aaron Richards, joined by Dan Demite. Today's show, man, this is this has been a lot of fun already. I love Mary. And the I forget how much I love Mary until I start thinking about how much I love Mary. And then it just then it just accelerates. I know. <laughs> we're talking about we were just talking about how Jesus, that experience of Jesus in the temple. Um and how it it was it was such a a beautiful foreshadowing of the experience that um, that Mary would have again when Jesus is taken from her when he's lost from her over this experience the first experience of the Triduum and how there must have been that same sense of of loss and fear but now also a reminder that hey I've been through this once before
1: yeah. And then I think we can also just reflect on the question of, okay, so why have church fathers and why uh, did John Paul II um, so eagerly defend that Mary must have been the first one that Jesus appeared to after yeah. the resurrection? You know, and I think the just if we think through this reasonably, like she who suffered the most, yeah, he would want to console the quickest, yeah, like if she experienced his death. Um, in the worst way imaginable, then of course he would want to bring her consolation That's and awesome. peace as quickly as possible. You almost i don 't know if you 've ever heard theologians speculate that mary's suffering was even more intense than jesus 's suffering um because this whole idea that. Um, what, what is the greater pain, um, or the greater emotional pain is, is it to, to die yourself or to watch the one that you love, uh, suffer and die right in front of you? And that, you hmm. know, you would speculate that it would be much worse that your loved one to die in front of you would hurt worse than you dying, which is why often people would say, I want to take your place. And And Mary, yeah. whose love was perfect um, and without sin, uh, would have had a perfect love for her son as he was suffering in front of her, and which is why the sorrows of Mary have so many swords piercing her heart. It was just this insane a- uh, anguish, awesome. right? So that's second awesome. Corinthians chapter one, St. Paul says, knowing that as you are participa- uh, participators in the sufferings of Jesus, so shall you also be in his consolation. And the the idea of us being partic- uh, partakers in the suffering of Jesus, we're also partakers in his consolation. And Mary would have been the one who participated in the suffering of jesus more than anyone yeah. and so she would have shared in his consolation in a in a way greater than anyone that jesus would have been like okay you're suffering i'm going to now give you the joy of the resurrection in a way that we can't even i don't even know if we can fathom yeah. right like the the suffering of Mary is unfathomable, but the we don't reflect enough
0: on the joy of Mary must have been unfathomable. <laughs> like, yeah, that's awesome. I, I think so I love Mary. And Dan, you and I I remember you and I we, we pursued the process of like the Marian consecration when we were in college together. Yeah. It's been what, twenty years, fifteen years almost. Yeah. Um and uh I, I remember I, I remember at various points in my in my life having been skeptical of people who had a a profound um dedication to to Mary
1: like super super intense uh-huh
0: and then and then also at times in my in my own journey falling more deeply in love with her i think i think that there's almost a, a scandalous nature of mm-hmm. um that instills fear in the hearts of faithful catholics to not want to give anyone but the lord too much honor. yeah, And uh, it was, it was funny, even, you know, uh, even in preparing for this retreat this week and and preparing for the show today and and, in prayerful reflection over these last few days, there've been a couple moments where I'm, there's, there's almost like an anxiety in me that hesitates to reflect too deeply on this. But I just, I want to, I want to speak. I'm not sure if this, this might resound with anybody who's listening today in the, in the audience, but if you've ever felt that, um, I, I want you to hear the Lord's permission to just allow your heart to be open to receiving. You know, uh, I, I I said it kind of in jest earlier, but the more I the more I think about Mary, the more I love her, the more I fall in love with her. Yeah, right. That that it you know it it feels it feels almost scandalous to, to even suggest that someone could experience a pain worse than the pain of Jesus. Why, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. because that's what we, because that's what we believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, w- there, there was a beautiful statement that um, I, I'm not sure if it was in the process of, of the total consecration to Jesus through Mary um, by St. Louis de Montfort, or if it was somebody else, but basically um, God is perfect and he doesn't, he doesn't get jealous when we give too much honor to someone else. like, if I honor the Holy Spirit, the son doesn't get anxious. Yeah. Um, And if I, if I honor the mother of the mother of Jesus, um, Jesus isn't going to get out of sorts. Yeah. So uh, I I just, I I love, I I feel like every time I I dive deeper into one of these, one of these reflections on one of these mysteries, I I get just, my heart gets lit on fire. Um, And there's always that little hesitation to be like, oh, should I be this? Should I be this excited?
1: Yeah. Well, I always get a little like, I always take pause when I'm like, you hear the people that are like, the Immaculate Heart will triumph. And it's all this like triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I'm like, but I want Jesus to triumph too, you know, (laughs) like, and, uh, but it's funny because she who shared the most in his sufferings also shares the most in his triumph. And so she, she experiences the power of the resurrection she
0: experiences the triumph
1: of the resurrection in a, in a greater way than we could ever imagine yeah. right well
0: and and fundamentally she our lady stands as um she stands in the place of us right she she stands there to show us what's possible that that actually it's jesus's desire that we would experience the joy in a similar way to to how she did, yeah, that we would experience his suffering in a similar way to what he did, yeah, and that, that that's that's actually the invitation into the authentic human experience,
1: yeah, well, and if she gave birth to the perfect son, um wouldn't we want her to give birth to us it, to it, like she's going to give birth to saints, right, like mm. she gives birth to the perfect, and as we enter into a relationship with her where she becomes our mother she she formed the perfect son of god <laughs> like that's nuts to think about that she was part of his formation and so if she can be part of our formation imagine the way she can sanctify us and the 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 way she can teach us oh that's awesome yeah i love it yeah so the you know mary it, it seems reasonable to suggest that mary was the first um to that jesus would want to show himself to her first because of love um St. Ignatius of Loyola, during his spiritual exercises, he has this interesting exercise where he has Mary, um, he has the you know the the participant of of the exercises reflect upon what it would have been like when Jesus appeared to Mary. Since there's not a biblical account, he creates an exercise for that meditation to take place. And um, you know, I was doing that, and I was as I was going into that. Uh, reflection of, I started with like Mary's interaction with these women yeah. who were preparing the spices on Holy Saturday. And I was thinking about what it would have been like on Holy Saturday in the home of Mary, right? Like the, like, y- y- you know, when someone dies, I-, I would go to their house to, um, console them. Um, yeah. and often it's funny because it's like the person that should be consoled the most sometimes becomes the consoler. Mm. And I was thinking how much more Mary would would be that in that moment where like they're suffering the loss of Jesus. And mm. Mary's like, wait, I've been here before and I know the end of the story. Like uh and so she becomes this perfect uh comforter. And I was just thinking about, uh, as I was going through that meditation, just Ignatius of Loyola and what are the spiritual exercises and what does he teach the most about consolation and desolation, right? And it's, it's interesting in a moment of desolation when John the Apostle or Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James, when they were hurting and suffering they they were you could say they were clearly in a place of desolation because God was away like desolation is that time where you feel like God's just no longer there yep. right yeah I think when Jesus is dead they probably felt like God was no longer there and yet Mary is there mm. Um that in a time of desolation Mary is there and she is the consolation and just this beautiful insight that. Our Lady, if you're experiencing this, like, a spiritual reality of desolation where you feel like God is far off and distant or you haven't connected with him in a long time, the one who is present on Holy Saturday in the moment of desolation is Our Lady. And what does she do as the mother she consoles? And huh. I just think it's it's uh, because she has hope in the midst of despair that we may be not able to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I used the uh, I used the terminology when I was preaching the other day that sometimes in our human experience, um, well, prob- probably every time in our human experience, we have difficulty. Why? Because it doesn't make sense um, plugging into the power of God, right? <laughs> and uh, in the in the physical world, I was thinking about you know we've got these like we've got these high voltage power lines that that connect cities and if you tried to plug your iPhone into a, you know, power line, it would, it would explode. And so would you, right? We should try it out in order, in order to make like, in order to make that accessible, um, you have like a, you have a step down transformer that, that makes that, that makes that, that power accessible to us. It doesn't, doesn't change anything about the nature of that power. Um, it, it, it helps us. Mm -hmm. Right. I think, I think Mary, I think the saints, Uh, certainly, you know, this isn't a theological, uh, truism, um, in, in some way, when I am too weak to encounter, to see Jesus hidden in Holy Saturday, Mm -hmm. right. When, when I, when I go to the, to the, the house of the grieving person, um, sometimes it's my own issue that stands in the way Mm -hmm. of me being able to handle that with, with the maturity that I'm, that I'm supposed to, or that I'm called to. But that that Mary and the saints they stand for us is this this human um experience of what true hopeful waiting and expectation can be, yeah, why because there's an honest faith um and it's it's not just it's not just a you know uh, a wish and a hope it's it's a it's a faithful expectation that ultimately finds its end in being accomplished,
1: yeah, yeah, I love that, yeah, I think the Mary anticipates our resurrection as well, not just Jesus's. So like in the midst of our suffering and our pain and our hurt, Mary's already anticipating our resurrection Uh, out of that, the joy that will come, the peace that will come, the hope that will come. Like she is truly a pillar of hope because she knows the end of the story and she has such insane faith uh, that it's coming that, on our holy Saturdays, like on their holy Saturday, she was anticipating the resurrection on our spiritual holy Saturdays when we're suffering or our spiritual good Fridays when we're struggling in life. Mary's, Mary's there anticipating the resurrection yeah. that is to come. And I love it because it's three days. You know, it's not like it's, I think, I think sometimes we, we wait a little bit too much in, in, in faith, and like we're like we we just because we don't focus on the already, we focus on the not yet, and so sometimes our focus gets too drawn to the far off future. Mm. Um, when maybe Jesus wants to bring it a little quicker, and and we're, we're the we are the the cause of it not coming quicker. You know, they say they say in the Old Testament that the um the they wandered in the um, the desert for forty years, not because it was a forty year journey, but because of themselves. And I wonder if sometimes w- we have a Mary Magdalene faith that's like, oh, "Okay, the promised land, consolation, or resurrected joy is far off and distant, and I'll get there someday." But we end up going through a forty year desert when the Lord wanted three days, <laughs> you wow. know. And uh, and Mary's faith, maybe sometimes hearing from her or relying on he- her can help bring us out of something faster than anticipated.
0: That's awesome. Okay. I I want to share my favorite, my favorite Mary story from scripture. Oh boy. Um, It's coming. So this, uh, this is a tricky one. All right. It happens in, um, it happens in Luke chapter seven and it's funny because it's my favorite Mary story, but she's not in the story. Oh man. All these Mary
1: stories (laughs) where she's not there.
0: (laughs) Uh, Jesus is. Jesus and his apostles have entered into um into the city of Name, Nain, uh, and I don't. I, I I will admit I had never even identified this story as a valuable image in scripture, and I was reading a. Uh, I was reading my kids' children's Bible to them a couple <laughs> years ago. Nice, and I I read this story, and I was, I was just I was profoundly struck by it to the point where I went to my real Bible and I was like, is this even in here? Because I don't know how I've missed it my entire life. He, Jesus walks into the city of Nain with his disciples. And as he's walking, he sees a funeral procession happening on the other side of the uh, the town square. And a young man has died. He's being carried on a funeral bier, And the young man was the only son of his mother, who is now a widow. Uh, and... It, it says that Jesus locks his eyes on this experience. Why not? Because there's a dead guy in the street. Um, that probably happened pretty frequently. <laughs> uh, but it was because of the of the sorrow of this mother that was grieving over the body of her son. Mm. And Jesus moved with compassion for the grieving mother. Walked over and made this this statement of um, consolation to her, and then raised her son to life. Mm. And I I was, I was so moved by this because, because why this, this isn't this just our relationship, um, that, that we enjoy with, with our mother, that, that he keeps his eyes so locked on her. I think there's this this temptation to believe sometimes that in my most despondent moments, that there's still some good in me or some potential in me that Jesus sees that he's just drawn to. What if it's not that? Like what if it's that I don't I don't actually have to earn Jesus's focus and attention because I've got the single most beautiful, you know, attractive target of his, of his eyes, the one that he never takes his eyes off of, who even when I haven't earned it, even when I haven't mm. deserved it, even when I'm lying there dead, not even asking for for comfort or for consolation or for resurrection or grace, for life. yeah. That that she cries over my body mm-hmm. and that wow. he looks and he says Because of my pity for you, mom, um, I I raised this son of yours to life. Wow. That's
1: absolutely stinking amazing. (laughs) I love that. Um, That, you know, I just, uh, our theme this summer for Catholic Youth Summer Camp is Magnificare. We're going to be focusing on uh, the Blessed Mother all summer long. And I just had that image of Mary over the young church that sometimes is, is apathetic and dead, and sh- as she weeps over the death in the church, th- Jesus looks to her and says, I'm going to bring life. Yeah. I'll bring my children back to life.
0: And, all right, well, if I'm preaching man. this summer, I call the widow of Nain. Okay, good. It's all yours. <laughs> well, and
1: that's, let's, let's uh, you know, if you haven't, if you are a um, parent or a grandparent and you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, anyone currently in fifth Uh, through 12th grade. You should check out cysc.com. It's going to be a great summer. Uh, If your kid or grandchild seems to be spiritually dead, um, let's let Our Lady um, and Jesus bring them back to life this summer. That'd be pretty exciting.
0: Um, That's awesome. So, Dan Dan Beyond Damascus is the show where Encounter meets Mission. Yeah. And we've spent the entirety of the first 40 minutes of the show um, talking about Mary. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, Mary is the, is the queen of the apostles, right? Um, we are, we are not, I, I, think we don't jump into this type of a show, uh, because we've run out of missionary content, but precisely because we need to root ourselves in this type of a motivation if we are to authentically live out a missionary call.
1: Well, and just think about, I mean, so the events of Mary's life prepared her for, quite possibly her most important mission, um, which was Pentecost. Like think about the, um, the widow that you just spoke of Aaron it was our lady in the crowd during that time. And the, the finding of the Christ child, those experiences pre- prepared her heart to be ready on Holy Saturday and Good Friday. I mean, um, easter sunday and all the days leading up to pentecost she becomes the leader of the church before peter right like there's this there in a sense mm. she is leading the disciples after this time period to prepare and you don't see peter really take charge until after pentecost that from that moment it's almost like during the easter season leading up to pentecost like um Uh, Augustine said earlier she remained during the triduum the faithful member of the church, and she led the church to prepare for the birthday of the church on Pentecost that they they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Mm. and they would be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit like she was overshadowed. It's like, hey— I know this story. It's, I I experienced it. You're about to experience it now. And, and they're there in the upper room praying with one accord. They get overshadowed by the Holy Spirit because she knew what was going to come. She helped prepare them for that. And I think sometimes the circumstances in our life, we don't look at them enough to say, how is this preparing me for my mission? Um, Or maybe we don't spend enough time in our current mission asking, how was I already prepared for this in the past? Yeah. Uh, What, what, you know, like you get a new mission, you're like, I can't do this. And well, maybe God prepared you over the entire course of your lifetime for that
0: moment. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank thank you for joining us for today's show as we are reflecting. This is like a little retreat for you, friends. We like to sh- say Woo! here on Beyond Damascus that uh, every single one of us is called to a life of full-time mission, a life of full-time work and service in the church. And this is... uh this is one way that we together can stay rooted um, in, you know, on mission together. So we're going to take a, a short break. We'll be right back after this break. Um, Dan and I are going to share a little testimony of our own personal experience and encounter with seeing our lives transformed in mission, in saying yes to Our Lady in a in a deeper and more profound way. And I hope it'll be inspiring for you. If, if, you have, um, if, you've, if you've listened to the show in the past, maybe if you're joining us for the first time, if you've had experience of mission where you feel as though, I know this is what I'm called. I know this is a grace and a desire that God's placed on my life, but I just haven't seen the fruit. Uh, this is a great way to step in and, to, and to, to seek actively an advocate who can help you to carry that, that mission well. Thanks for joining us again for Beyond Damascus. We will be right back after this short break. He is only one of four popes honored as the great. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Leo I was pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com.
1: Unplanned, the true story of Abby Johnson. I would be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. She believed in a woman's right to choose. I've had an abortion myself, so I don't have any problem with another woman making the same decision. Until the day she saw something that changed everything. Tiny, perfect little
0: baby. And then it was just
1: gone. Now she's pulling back the curtain on the abortion industry. Unplanned.
0: Available at EWTNRC.com and the EWTN app. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, thanks for joining us for today's show. This has been an awesome reflection on the life of Mary and how she stands as maybe the fundamental um, inspiration for us and motivation for us on our on our missionary call. Right? If if maybe you're joining us right now for this the start of our third segment, um, I just I want to invite you to to go catch the recap on the on the podcast. Um, This has been an incredible show taking some time for retreat almost in reflecting on the life of Our Lady, on some of the mysteries of her life and how she really calls us to step into that expectant faith, uh, that expectant joy, uh, allowing Jesus to transform our lives through the experience of the resurrection, right? Uh, uh, You know, Dan... we we minister out of what we do here at Damascus. And this, this radio show is really a reflection of, I think what God's saying every day in our own, in our own prayer, in our own walk. And here at Damascus, even, even the missionaries who work here full-time, actively serving uh, the young church here in central Ohio, we we've, we've asked them to take three days this week to stop and to ponder and to be formed by a lot of this similar content. And, Uh, I'd invite us to do the same, that, uh, wherever we are this week, wherever we are today, um, that, that, that as a, as a Christian who, like we like to say, is called to a life of full-time ministry work, um, that, that we can allow our hearts to be moved and to be raised up so that those, those struggles that we face, those challenges that we face can be rendered obsolete. Um, in the, in the call of, in the call of missionary discipleship. Mm -hmm. Dan, I promised before the, before the break that we'd kind of close out today's show by sharing a little bit of our own testimony about how we've experienced, um, falling in love with our lady and how she's charged us for mission. And I wondered maybe if you'd kick it off. Yeah. You know, I think,
1: um, I could share a little bit about how I think Mary makes us a a perfect missionary disciple. Um, and the Mary, that's that's a pretty radical claim. (laughs) And, uh, the, the, the Marian consecration really h- helps aid in that, right? That uh, as a disciple, all the things I want to uh, grow in my relationship with Jesus, the mysteries I love most about Jesus, Mary had the deepest intimacy in, in, like the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of the cross, the mystery of the resurrection, the mystery of Pentecost. These are yeah. the mystery of the Eucharist. Uh, the, these are like mysteries that I want as a disciple to, to to just dive as deep as I possibly can in, and Our Lady has <laughs> like she has experienced these things in a level deeper than I could imagine, and um, so she teaches us, she she guides us through that. But then even just in mission, I know the consecration really freed me yeah. in ministry to give me a lot of peace. Um, the part of the consecration, uh, the idea is that when you give yourself to Jesus through Mary. Um, you give Mary permission to use the graces of your life, however she pleases. So if I pray a rosary, you know, I'm giving Mary the grace from that rosary and saying, you can use this as you will. Or if I pray for someone that's in front of me, um, for healing and deliverance, like I'm at the, 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 the good works that I do in my life, the grace I'm giving Mary permission to, dispense that grace however she pleases. Mm. And it's really, um, it gives you a lot of peace because in a sense, it's like, okay, I could be praying for someone for breakthrough in front of me, and they may not experience the level of breakthrough I desire. But in a sense, I've given Mary permission to use the grace in that moment however she pleases. And she may take that prayer of praying for breakthrough and that hunger for someone to be delivered or someone to be freed from brokenness and she may give it to someone in the moment of their death on the other side of the world to make sure they come to salvation. And so it gives you hope. It gives you peace. It gives you joy that, you know what? It's not my problem. It's like I've given this to Mary and she she can deal with it. My favorite prayer at the end uh, with when I'm interceding, because I intercede a lot and I love intercession, I'm, I'm always like, okay, Mary, this is your problem now. <laughs> like whatever I'm interceding for, it's like at the end of the day, it's your problem um, because I've given myself to you and I'm letting you dispense these graces of my prayer time however you want. So do your job. That's awesome. Do your job, mom. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. <laughs> I love that. I've I've got. Uh, so one other fun perspective on the consecration is. Um, it, oftentimes, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this, but but one of the traditional one of the traditional um, symbols of the Marian consecration is that you might wear a chain on your wrist. As a, as a sign of the fact that you've completed your consecration. Why do you wear a chain? Well, um, you could uh, try to wimp out and give a nice politically correct explanation, <laughs> or you could go the route that St. Louis de Montfort goes, and he says, it's because you're a slave to Mary. <laughs> <laughs> right? That um, And that's, that's scary language, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but he's a saint in heaven. Um, why does he say this? He says this because when we... When when our own will um, suffers in in making and choosing the right, mm-hmm. that we can chain ourselves to one who we can have confidence in mm. w- would never stray. Mm-hmm. Right? That that Mary's only pri- her her singular goal mm. is to lead those who look to her to the cross of her son, and in a in a beautiful way uh, as we as we chain ourselves to our Lady. Um, that Jesus, you know, we're never far from him. Yep. We're never far from him. And he, and he looks with such kindness on her and, um, and I think in a, in a special way appreciates the ones that are chained alongside her. So, uh, I, I've been, I've been wearing this little chain on my wrist now for the, close to 20 years and, um, it's, uh, it has served for me on many occasions as, a reminder of the fact that I'm committed to this Christian life, right? That I'll, that I'll just, I'll look down and I'll see that chain there and I'll remember mm-hmm. I've, I've made a, I've made an act of, of consecration of my will, right? Um, We like to say, you know, Jesus in scripture, he describes our relationship with him in a number of different ways. Uh, and there's this kind of, there's sort of this, like this, um, Evolution of what he desires for our relationship with him to be. First, he's, he he identifies us that that we exist in this world as slaves to sin, and that's that's kind of a crappy place to be. No, no fun, no fun. Uh, <laughs> what's what's the what's the um the the solution to being a slave from sin? Well, it's becoming a slave to Christ, mm-hmm. right? That that's that's an infinitely better alternative to being a slave to sin. And then he continues to develop the story that not only do I call you slaves, but, but friends Mm -hmm. and not just friends, but brothers and sisters and then uh, and then co heirs. Right. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately we see this beautiful fulfillment and revelation and foreshadowed in the old Testament that not only is it a friend uh, or, or a brother or an heir, but I call you to be my, my, my lover, like my, my intimate love. And, I think there've been times in my own life when I've seen myself living out of intimacy. There've been times when I've lived out of brotherhood and there've been times when, you know, uh, I've been happy to be a slave and, um, wearing that chain, uh, reminding myself of that commitment and consecration that I've made. Um, I have I've found noticeably visibly that in times when my own will to maintain like I don't know, integrity in my own life that it's been a reminder to me that that this is the commitment that you've made and and Mary's going to drag me by the chain if she has to to keep me in the right place to keep me rooted to the cross.
1: Yeah, you know, the someone who's a, a slave it, it's a whole idea of like <clears throat> you're their per- possession and it's like i've often thought like we talk about being possessed by evil spirits i'm like man i just want to be i want to be possessed by the holy spirit i want to (laughs) i want to be possessed by jesus and um and uh i want it just it's an honor um to be theirs like that language of love i take you to be mine and it's
0: like wow i i get to to be yours yeah that's beautiful Oh man. what a show today we've 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 been talking about how to to serve as missionaries we operate not only just under the inspiration but truly under the authority, under the invitation of our lady, the Queen of the Apostles. Check out that show again anytime you need that reminder. Friends, thank you for joining us for Beyond Damask is the show where Encounter meets mission. We'll check you again next week.